a wonderfully positive speech about, uh, you know, if the moon and the stars are not pure, how much less man that maggot and the son of man that worm. So on that uh, highly positive note, the uh, friends end their uh, part of the dialogue, and uh, Job's going to respond back to that. First, respond directly to Bildad, and then uh, have his own things to say. So chapter 26, verses 1 to 4. Then Job responded, What a help you are to the weak! How you've saved the arm without strength! What counsel you've given to one without wisdom! What helpful insight you have abundantly provided! To whom have you uttered words, and whose spirit was expressed through you? Man, you have just done it all. Man, I mean, just so helpful. Thanks so much. And just just so insightful. Wow, how could you... Who wrote your material? I mean, what kind of inspiration did you get all that under? You are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, do you detect a note of sarcasm in any of that? <laughs> or maybe a whole, uh, whole uh, staff of sarcasm? I don't know. Uh, you know, that may be about as good a way to deal with him as anything. You know, pretending to be amazed at how profound this was, you know. I mean, wow, he really had to go a long ways to find all this uh, information out. Which is probably about Job's sharpest response uh, given to the friend who just called him a maggot. So uh, they are just not really happy with each other. Do you have a thought or comment on that uh, retort? It's not copyrighted, is it? I can use it if I want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, as far as I know, Joe's probably not still around to enforce a copyright. So. Okay, good. Five to fourteen. The departed spirits tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Naked is shield before him, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, and the cloud does not burst under them. He obscures the face of the full moon and spreads his cloud over it. He has inscribed a circle on the surface of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are amazed at his rebuke. He quieted the sea with his power, and by his understanding he shattered Rahab. By his breath the heavens are cleared, his hand has pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are the fringes of his ways, and how faint a word we hear of him, but his mighty thunder who can understand. What is Job talking about here? God's power? Yeah, God's amazing power. Um, anybody else ever talk about that in these uh, dialogues? Friends do that all the time, don't they? Mm -hmm. They're constantly talking about God's power and and all of that. And, and it looks to me like Job uh, pretty much can outdo them. I mean, he's really impressed with the power of God. He doesn't need anybody to instruct him in how great God is. You know that the friends have kept trying to do that, but he can preach the sermon better than they can. Um, and, and certainly what he's saying is, is absolutely true. I mean, you know, wow, he is over all things. 
There's nothing for six that can escape his scrutiny. You know, I mean, he sees it all. <laughs> you know, there's nowhere you can go to hide from him. Um, he's the absolute creator. He is the author of the storm and of the peace that follows it. Um, you know, he's the one that uh, can, uh, you know, bring the clouds and then take the clouds away and, and, and just do everything. I mean, he is the one in charge of the, how the universe runs. And, and when he says all this, he says in verse 14, actually, this is just a whisper. <laughs> this is just uh, the fringes of his ways. I mean, you know, if we really want to talk about what he does, this is just, uh, you know, as uh, Tommy uh, Peeler would say, this is just the helm of the garment. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear him saying that. So, but it is. I mean, wow. You know, you just can't say, how, how can you possibly even begin to to encompass the power and greatness of God, all the amazing things he's done for it with so little effort. I mean, if God actually wanted to break a sweat, I wonder what he could do. Comments and thoughts. I've got another thing I want to say about this, but do you have some comments and thoughts on this? You think Job is thinking he's experienced his mighty thunder? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, Job is much more likely to talk about the power of God than to talk about the grace of God or the love of God or something like that. He sees God as all-powerful. Some of the rest of that he doesn't see so clearly. Here's my question. Um, you know, in verse 7, he stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. That statement, has been frequently used as a proof of like the inspiration of the Bible. Because the argument would go like this. Back in those days, they thought the earth was resting on the back of who knows what. They did not know that the earth was just suspended in space like we do. They didn't have any way to know that. So what you find here in this passage shows you that God really inspired this because only God knew that he made the earth and suspended it in the air like that. Men didn't know that at that time. So it's like pre-scientific foreknowledge or, or whatever. They, they, you know the science before, before man discovers it. Well, who could know that before man discovers it? Only God. So this really shows you the inspiration of God. That's a common argument. In fact, I can remember teaching that in college to like a middle school Bible class in Florida where I was. Uh, and I, I read a cool book about that and, you know, several things in various booklets and tracts and all that. What do you think about that argument? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying by that? Is that a valid argument? Even verse 10, this, the circle of the earth is also... Yeah. That too, yes, that it's uh, round and not round. flat. Yeah, good point, thank you. <sighs> I knew there was something else in here. Although other prophecies talk about calling from the four corners of the earth, so the earth is square. Yeah, <laughs> and verse 11 talks about the pillars of heaven tremble, so it's actually resting <laughs> on pillars. <laughs> I think it's interesting that the uh, apostles never used that kind of an argument. They did not. 
one of the problems is Job says a lot of things that are not true. Yeah. He's not even inspired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we're thinking Job's inspired, do we think everything he said was yeah. from God? So, yeah, that's a huge problem in this particular case. Now, obviously, there's some statements in prophetic books that are inspired that people sometimes look to, but these are very commonly looked to, and they're from Job. Well, think about these two observations also. Job is not intending to be revealing anything new. That's not, In the context, he is making well-known observations. I mean, if he wasn't, this would not be very effective. You know, if, if you know, if, if the truth is the moon's made of green cheese, we just don't know it, and somebody were to make an argument, well, God's so powerful he made the moon of green cheese, well, that's not going to help anybody. We, we don't believe that at the moment. <laughs> you know, so it really wouldn't make sense for him to say something in this context that other people didn't already believe. Furthermore, and this is probably the more fundamental thing in all these passages, these are poetic statements. Like Ryan says, how can you take the circle of the earth as literal, but the four corners of the earth, well, that's just figurative. That's not fair. <laughs> you know, or how do you take, uh, you know, he hangs the earth on nothing as literal, but the pillars of heaven tremble, that's figurative. I mean, that's just arbitrary. We're just picking and choosing whatever we think proves our theory. When we do that, we weaken our case. Because people can easily refute that. You never want to make a poor argument. If you're to make, you know, if you're going to make seven arguments on some point, call the worst two or three and just make four or five. Because, you know, if I'm your opponent, I'm going to pick out whichever one I think is your weakest one and go to town on it. Mm. You know, cull it down to your strongest one. Maybe even just make two or three and save one or two of your good ones for later on in the discussion. It, it gets too confusing anyway. So this argument would be an easy, if, if somebody made that, this is easy to refute. And so you really make it look like they're refuting inspiration, but the truth is, this is not a good argument, it's not valid. Sometimes we'll do that, we'll make, we're arguing for the truth, but we're making an invalid argument to get there. We need to watch that, that's not a, that's not a right thing to do. So. Comments and thoughts about that? I have a question on verse 13. It says, by his breath. I've read something that said his breath there would be the Holy Spirit, because it can also be translated his spirit. What do you think about that? I bet that's true. But in the context, perhaps the idea is he blows the clouds away. That's probably why they translate it that way. I mean, spirit and wind and breath are all the same term in Hebrew. So it probably is a translator question. But, you know, clearing it by his breath seems a little more vivid than clearing it by his spirit. Okay, and what about Rahab on um, verse 12? By his understanding, Rahab. What is this Rahab he's talking about? She is the uh, mythological serpent that hides the sun. So God, uh, God uh, shatters her so that the sun comes out again. Uh, obviously, we're dealing in poetic and mythical terms. I mean, it'd be like saying that, uh, you know, um, God God jinxes the boogeyman or something that way. You know, we're dealing with kind of a mythological idea, but God brings the sun out after the rain. You know, he wipes out the serpent that hides the, the, the sun. Okay. 
All right, other questions or comments on 26? Well, we don't have Zophar. It looks to me like there was a pause for Zophar, and Zophar just didn't take advantage of it, because in verse, chapter 27, verse 1, then Job continued his discourse and said. That's not a common thing. So I think it's like he pauses, knows Zophar, so he's going to go ahead and fill up the vacuum. Uh, one to six. Uh, 